What's good, everybody? This is X reading aloud again. We are now into acknowledgments. So we're going to go through acknowledgments. Then we're going to get into We Exist. And we're going to read the first, like, basically the introduction of We Exist. And then we'll get into uh, Of Cycles and Stages in the next one. All right. Acknowledgments. We must find the stop. Wow. Acknowledgements. We must find time to stop and thank the people who make a difference in our lives. John F. Kennedy. Personally, I find acknowledgement pages funny. You see, while they definitely offer writers a chance to support their biggest or to thank their biggest supporters, they also seem politically or. Okay, I don't know what's up with me. Person, you know what? Let's wash some of this away. Okay. Personally, I find acknowledge pages acknowledgement pages funny. You see, while they definitely offer writers a chance to thank their biggest supporters, they also seem completely obligatory and political. And while it's easy to pinpoint individuals who deserve to be on the list, it is often difficult to decide who should be left off. This, of course, is where things get political and thus can get can often get messy. Therefore, in order to keep this list as non-political as possible, I've decided to limit I've decided to limit it to those that have made an immediate impact on the book's creation. Thus, if you didn't make the list, it's not because I don't love or respect you. It's because I wanted to keep this page as simple as possible. And with that in mind, let's get to the first name of the list, myself. Now, before I thank myself, I think it's important to note that the copy that I'm reading off of, I will more than likely make changes. And it's somewhat... Um, this is where it gets political. I'm gonna. I I included a couple of people because I was worried if they read it that they would feel bad and I'd have to explain certain things. But I don't give a fuck no more. Um, there's going to be there's two names on here that used to be on here, but in the audio recording because they really genuinely didn't have that much to do with the book or really give me that much support while I wrote it they were just important people to me um, I included them in but um, for this one I want to make it as genuine as possible and clear that out so that this book reflects how I truly felt during the writing of the book so here we go Let's get to the first name on the list, myself, to me. We hardly ever thank ourselves for the accomplishments that we achieve, and I think that needs to stop. Sure, bragging about ourselves comes off as annoying. However, never acknowledging ourselves for the amazing things we do is also highly damaging, at least to our psyche. For the most part, the key is to find balance between our pride 
and our humility. Therefore, to keep this short, I simply want to thank myself for not giving up. You see, I have finally accomplished a huge goal in my life, to write and publish my own book, and I feel absolutely amazing about it. Next up, Volume 2. To be, or sir, or whatever nicknames you remember. You've always been by my side, at least from the moment we met. You are the greatest companion. You are the greatest companion a human could ever ask for and have definitely made my life more complete. Thank you for finding me. I love you tons. I hope you're resting in peace, my dude. Thank you for being in my life. Oh. I just need a moment. By the way, I think this is just a good time to give a shout out to anybody that's lost someone in the last little while. I know it's hard when we remember them constantly. It's hard to move on, it's hard to move forward, it's hard to do anything like that, so I get it. And I don't know what else to say about that. I love you, bud. You're such a good boy. God, that's tough. One sec. Just in case nobody really knows, in October of 2018, I had to put my, uh, my dog down of 10 years. And it was like the first real, like, animal that I completely bonded with and imprinted with, and 
I'm still recovering because I miss him a lot. And the thing is, is that while they're gone, it's not like life doesn't stop. So we gotta move on, even though we miss them. But yeah, this guy was amazing. That's why he's number two. He's ahead of my mom on this list. Because he made that much. He was my first mentor. It's weird to even think that a dog could be your mentor. But fuck this guy. He was so just. He taught me so much. And I hope that in return. I gave him the best life possible. I got so mad at him in his last. Like I had to. You wouldn't get it, but he looked perfectly fine and healthy. But he had uh, something growing on his inside that was blocking his airway and was making it hard for him to breathe. It was pushing on his stomach. It was making him sick. He kept throwing up. And there was no sign of improvement. And we're talking chemo on a 10-year-old dog that has had to have surgery every single year or something happened, right? Like... I couldn't put it, put him through it, but he was the smartest dog that I've ever met. He was patient with me and allowed him to, um, we, we, I, I showed him how to walk off leash so that he could just go wherever he wanted on our walks. And we would walk on busy streets and he would just stay on the sidewalk and go up them because he loved his walks so much. And on the last day last night that he was alive he was struggling but he finally ate some food from my mom and I was in such a great mood that I went and took him on a walk and we didn't get the walk that we wanted and I regret that and it's fucked up because I can't let that regret go I don't know how I wish that I had that opportunity again to get past me being so angry because we went by a 7-Eleven and he grabbed a piece of chicken off the ground and he ate it and he wouldn't let it go and he just ran around and I got so mad at him because he was dying. I was so angry that he was dying that I, that I was putting him down either the next day or the day after. And yeah, we made up, but I mean, God, I would still ask for forgiveness from him even right now. So, anyways, that's who that was for. I had the greatest impact on my life. He taught me so much. He taught me how to be kind to people. Besides my mom. Who's up next? So, let's get on with it. Because life is quite short when we really look at it and while I do miss him I'm still here and so is my mom and so is everybody else that's on this list um, to my mom and G without you this book would never have been written 
Besides the fact that you gave life to me, you've also given me unlimited chances. Thus, if by some miracle my work changes the world, I want the world to know it's because of you. To G, thank you for your continued support over the last couple of years. It is not going unnoticed. I love you both. Thank you. To DH, my oracle and mentor and second mom, thank you for being a safe space for me to go to when my mind starts to go crazy. Just having someone safe to talk to about this stuff makes my life easier. Thank you. To FE, I gave people's initials instead of their actual names just because, well, Y'all don't need to know who they are. You just need to know that I'm acknowledging them. They need to know. Right? And they all know. So, um, to F.E., my Mary M., thank you for completely altering my life back in 2014. Without you, this book, as well as any other book I write for this series, would never have happened. Thank you for existing, and most importantly, thank you for your friendship. It's been truly amazing I wonder if I could have written that it's truly been amazing and would have come off better thank you to BR and PD thank you for your support and friendship over the last 18 years it's been a great ride so far hopefully it doesn't end after you read this book guess the ball is in your court now thank you to EI my longest standing friend a lot has happened since fifth grade and yet we still find a way to connect. And although we aren't as close as we could be, which is not true anymore, you have always accepted, we're still, we're closer. Um, you have always accepted me for who I am, which is an amazing feeling. Thank you for being your authentic red self. Hopefully our friendship continues for a long time. Thank you. To W.R. and Bear, who was Buddy's trainer and Bear was Buddy's best friend. I've known you for the shortest time on this list, yet you've given me something nobody else can. A second chance with my boy. Without you, I would have lost him, and therefore without you, I would have lost me too. Thank you for your amazing support and loyalty. It does not go unnoticed. Thank you. To the reader, thank you for reading this book. Without you, I have no reason to write. To anyone that has paid for this book, while we may be living in the digital frontier, we still have to live by physical means. This means that while I would love to, for, I'd love for this book, along with any other books, to be completely free, it's not a reality at this moment. Thus, to those that have paid for an inscription, regardless if it was before or after you read this book, thank you for your support. You are a major reason there is a volume one. Thank you. Well, that is acknowledgments done, and that was a tough one. I didn't know how I was going to react when I got to Buddy. Thank you for your patience with me going through that. I guess I'll add in one more thing to the listener listening to this and listening to anything else that I'm going to read and whatnot. Thank you. I appreciate your time because 
it's not endless. And while you could be doing anything else, you choose to listen to this. So thank you, and I truly appreciate that. It really is, um, even though I may not know who you are, and we may never meet in person or even communicate online, just knowing that other people are listening to this or will listen to this is currency enough. Um, it's oxygen enough. It keeps me going. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. I truly appreciate it. Now let's get on to why we all came here. The actual meat of the book. We exist. And we're going to start with a note from the author. From the author. Mom, there's no way I could have done this without you. Thank you for allowing me to be a thought in your mind and for believing in me. You are the biggest reason why this book exists. If it helps anyone, it's because of you. Thank you and I love you. Your son, Mean Mike. Chapter Zero, Introduction. Let's go. Look up at the stars and not down at your feet. Try to make sense of what you see and wonder about what makes the universe exist. Be curious. Stephen Hawking. Oh, I wish I could just share my sense of humor with people. I don't know if I can. So I have a fucked up sense of humor. I know that this book is um, written in a certain way that would give way to this idea that I'm probably not this an, another way. And it's not like I'm another way, it's just I, I really do put... You know like how like celebrities have to have like public relations and whatnot? I do my own. So just not to offend people, but like, I mean, all jokes aside and rest in peace... Stephen Hawking and for everything that you did for the scientific community and probably for the planet and, and whatnot. Just like the sheer magnitude of inspiration that you gave to a bunch of people. Not necessarily me, but to a bunch of people in the world. Um, this probably will come off as insensitive, but because this is an audiobook and because life is too short not to... Um, find things funny and whatnot. In another world, in another dimension, I may have wanted to um, find a way to um, see if I could find this quote done in Stephen Hawking's computer voice and putting it on. Because one, like, I think it would be cool to find JFK's voice and put it up there. I think it would be fun to find everybody's voice in, like, the original thing instead of me reading it and putting it up there. So, on one end, while, you know, like, it may come off as insensitive, on another hand, it may come off as funny. On another, on a third hand, I guess, I think it would come off as, um, an, an ode to the person that actually said the quote so that's just my thoughts and I think from now on I'm just going to start sharing that stuff more and more and more and weeding out the people that get offended by everything because I just don't have time for that anymore in my life um, I don't want to tippy toe around shit anymore 
And I put these barriers on myself because I worry that other people will take offense and I'll lose them. And because I had such great fear in my life of losing people, I never really wanted to uh, let them go. So I would change for them. And that sucks. So no more. So if you get offended by the idea of uh, me using Stephen Hawking's computerized voice to uh, in an audio book, I just think, I mean, in, in a multiple of ways, it's just an interesting concept to do. But anyways, um, if, if you get offended by that, we're going to have a difficulty getting to know each other, even if you love this book. Just giving you a heads up. Okay, let's get on with it. Introduction, chapter zero. Think about it for a second. And I mean really think about it. There is, is there any evidence that proves we, the beings on this planet, or in the universe, or multiverse, etc., actually exist? To me, existence is a funny thing. On one hand, it encompasses everything... Um, it encompasses absolutely everything, all realities, experiences, relationships, etc. However, on the other hand, our existence, in general, is absolutely meaningless. It's just an illusion. Perhaps this is because the concept of existence is both subjective and objective. Unfortunately, because a majority of people choose to see it either from one side of the existence coin or the other, either objectively or subjectively, it is difficult for most people to understand how we can both exist and not exist all at the same time. This is because existence happens holotropically and not necessarily linearly, as I believe most people presume. By holotropic, I mean that there is no real beginning or end to anything, it just is, as in, is whole. In short, our existence could be summed up by saying it happens in cycles and stages where atoms fire, cycle, fire in both on and off states continuously, thus creating new stages of our existence and so on. This, of course, continues forever and unfortunately becomes more convoluted as each cycle and stage completes and joins the whole. Therefore, with every death off state, a new opportunity for light on state is created and vice versa. Thus, even when we die, it is possible that we still exist, in some fashion or other. Of course, as this volume unfolds, I will do my best to provide examples of these cycles and stages, hopefully showing you that our existence doesn't necessarily flow in a straight line, but more as a web of interlocking connections, cycles and stages, that when looked upon with a more macrocosmic lens shows an entire existence of connected in brackets of connected atoms. And just so we're on the same page, when I say our existence, I mean everything that has ever existed, including that which currently exists, as well as everything that will exist in the future and on Earth, in our universe, as well as in the great beyond. It also encompasses both uh, uh, yours and my personal existences, as well as everything else's, including all of creation, even that which we can't yet imagine. This, ladies and gentlemen, 
is what it's like to think both objectively and subjectively, or in short, holotropically, at the same time. However, I also believe that, at least in part, that the reason we fail to think holotropically, at least as adults, is because said particular skill set has been extracted out of us by the time we graduate high school. At least that's how it seems in the Western world. This is mainly due to our current educational system's emphasis on the right answer, in quotes, you know, gotta get those A's, get into those good colleges, instead of allowing kids to explore all answers and see how each answer, right or wrong, connects and contrasts with the others. And although there is a time and place for right and wrong thinking, it can also cause more harm than good. For instance, thinking about the world's religions, instead of combining them into one giant concept, therefore seeing how they connect and contrast with one another, people would rather fight over which religion is right and which religion is wrong. Again, just so we're on the same page, I also include atheism and the New Age movement in my realms of religions, as well as many others, mainly because they fit one form of the definition, including science. And although this type of education has its time and place, its main goal is to condition us to think linearly, therefore only allowing one answer to fit into each available spot. Perhaps this is why we fail to see just how great and truly expansive our existence actually is. And although this will probably make me sound like a total conspiracy theorist, if I haven't already, Perhaps this, uh, this is the main reason why holotropic thinking isn't taught or encouraged past a certain age. Think about it. Would, you lo- would, would those in control want anyone to think beyond the scope of what is being taught? Why would they want to keep our full existence a secret from us? And although controlling the planet... Hold on. And although, quote-unquote, controlling the planet is definitely one perspective to look at, quote, in brackets, the microcosm. Perhaps there is a much grander reason for the dumbing down of our society, starting with our children, which I believe has to do with who we are cosmically more than who we currently are, i.e. modern-day slaves. In addition to our education system, the Christian religion has a set of rules for its followers to abide by. Therefore, if they can't indoctrinate you in your seat, they'll get you in the pew. These rules, known as commandments, uh, tend to be exact, are cardinal to the religion and must be followed by all Christians. And although commandments 2 through 10 have their own functions of control, the first commandment is the only one if followed unconditionally, that stops believers from wondering if anything exists beyond God. The commandment found in Exodus 23 in the KGV states, KJV, King James Version, I guess, um, 
Thou shalt have no other gods before me. For the most part, it's basically op it's an open and shut case. Basically telling any follower that they shouldn't believe in any other gods except for the one that gave them life. Or the one written in the book. However, looking at it from another perspective, it is possibly that the scripture is also saying, do not seek any for anything beyond me. And if that's the case, perhaps the next question isn't so much why, but what? What is God hiding beyond the small speck of light? The thing is, most religions aren't inherently bad. For the most part, almost all religions teach the principle of love, care, and respect, amongst many other qualities and values that compromise properly functioning humans. Unfortunately, at least from my perspective, these principles, once learned, rarely transfer properly to the outside world. Instead of practicing love, care, and respect for everyone, most religions or most religious people would rather see high conversion rates, hoping that with enough badgering, others will see the light. And although many will deny this, claiming they only want to debate the fundamentals of their religion, I'm, current, I'm certain that if said beings were to truly look within, they'd realize that all they really want is for people to fall in line. And to be perfectly honest, I'm no different. I too have spent countless hours discussing my very broad beliefs with others, hoping to connect with their spirit and ego, only, be, only to be disheartened, in the end when they say, well, I don't believe that. Or the other one, let's just agree to disagree. And as infuriating as that is, I've slowly come to terms with the idea that people, or until people, are ready to let go, they will cling to whatever beliefs keep them safe, including myself. This, at least from my perspective, is also why most religions refuse to combine their beliefs and philosophies. Instead of letting go, they'd rather convince others that their beliefs are correct, or at least better. This, of course, is also why atheists and those in the scientific community, as well as New Age movement, have little to no respect for those who choose a religious path. However, it is also because of this massive disconnect from religion that most scientists have missed a very big clue about our existence. A clue that has been a clue that has been around for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. And because of this disconnect or limiting beliefs, this clue is yet to be taken seriously, which is unfortunate because it allows us to view the quantum world from a completely different perspective. Although the Holy Bible does start off with the seven days of creation story, which is quite similar to the Big Bang. There's a passage much later in the book that supersedes every scripture held within it, at least time-wise. And although it may have been written later, its focus is on our actual beginning, well, um, well before the creation of light. The passage I'm referring, referring to is the verse um, in the book of St. John, in the beginning was the Word, and although the verse continues to state that the Word was with God and the Word was God, 
that first line encompasses everything we'll need to uh, for further discussion. One second. I hurt my elbow earlier, and it is giving me severe pain in the way that, I don't know, it's just acting up. It's not being friendly. So, as I read, it still hurts, and it's giving me pain, so I'm doing my best to alleviate that pain while still reading. So, if I sound like I'm off a little bit tonight, it's mostly because of that. Now, to understand this from a quantum level, we first need to understand what a word actually is and then work backwards, taking it from its most macro level down to its most micro or atomic. Therefore, for this example, we will be taking a more physical approach with the term word instead of taking the standard definition approach, i.e. using it for grammatic, using it grammatically. For starters, a word upon manifestation into light, or upon manifested into light, can be for the most part seen and heard. For this example, let's go with the latter. When a when heard, a word produces sound. Sound, when stripped raw, is a frequency. If we were to continue down this chain of thought, we would eventually find that a word is nothing more than a collection of vibrations that, when put into different combinations, create an array of meanings. To me, this is quite similar to how most quantum physicists view our universe. But instead of being a collection of vibrations creating some sort of meaning, it's a collection of energy vibrating at different frequencies creating the visual spectrum that we see, taste, touch, smell, and hear. However, the verse in the Bible takes this one step further, basically stating that before anything manifests into reality, it first takes form as a word. Unfortunately, because our reality is mostly based on the feedback of the five senses, and because one can't necessarily see, taste, touch, smell, or hear a word unless manifested whole, it's hard to prove that said word or better put, thought, actually exists. This is because, based on how we view reality, it is next to impossible to view anyone else's thoughts. And although extremely hard to prove, I have come to the conclusion that thoughts are the actual building blocks of all existence, not the atom. Think about it like this. Every direction you make and every action you take whether you noticed it or not, first arrived as a thought. And it's only after said thought occurs that you are then hopefully able to manifest it into existence. And if that's the case, then maybe the writers of the Bible were onto something, onto something suggesting that in the beginning, the word came before the light. However, from a scientific perspective, Perhaps it is this next step, the idea that thoughts create vibrations, that is the missing link to figuring out what exactly is beyond the small speck of light. And if that's the case, hopefully it will allow scientists to finally understand and optimistically speak, dissect what consciousness actually is. Of course, they'll first have to let go of a few limiting beliefs before moving forward. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Wow.
I don't know what's up with me reading tonight. I feel completely off as a human being for this exercise. But we're almost done, so there's great news. Furthermore, at least from my experience, it is our limiting beliefs that hold us back from creating what we actually want. And although we do bring forth tiny automatic creations every... Oh, what are you... You go back and do... Yeah, a bug just crawled all over the, the floor. Most people would jump and scream, probably. Or not most people, but some people. Um, anyways, although we do bring forth tiny automatic creations every day, like breathing, releasing carbon, and dreaming alternate Earths, etc., these creations do not require any beliefs to manifest. We just do them naturally. Unfortunately, anything bigger, anything beyond this system of automatic, automatic creation requires a certain freedom from any and all limiting beliefs mainly because these beliefs hold us back and although it's hard for most people to accept this fact these beliefs do nothing for us they simply mask our creative powers with that of safety and security think about it another way um, think about it another way how often do you tell yourself that others can do something while simultaneously convincing yourself that you cannot it's an unfortunate side effect of the ego's programming, something I like to call the act of comparing. For the most part, the act of comparing of ourselves to others and to our previous creations adds immense weight to our limiting beliefs. Therefore, in order for us to truly create what we want, we also need to rid ourselves of this incessant need to compare. In doing so, we open ourselves up to every possibility available for creation. The thing is, I see people breaking free from their limiting, limiting beliefs all the time. However, this rarely happens until they've taken control of their own self-worth Oh my god. However, this rarely happens until they've taken control of their own self-worth. Unfortunately, self-worth is both a belief and a program, and therefore with us until the day we die. Thankfully, there is a bright spot in all of this. Although most of humanity's self-worth belief defaults on the low end of the spectrum, low vibrations are easier to control, by the way, the program of self-worth is polar, meaning it allows for several different ranges all the way from low to high. In the end, it all comes down to choice. Do you stay in a lower state of self-worth and possibly create for others, or choose the higher state and create for yourself? And although the act of creation is vitally important to our existence, having a high sense of self-worth helps us gain the courage necessary to venture forward and share our own creations with the world. And by sharing, we create yet another possibility, the possibility of extending our own existence on this planet beyond death. To quote the late poet Thomas Campbell, to live in the hearts we leave behind is not to die. Therefore, as long as we create and then share our work, it is possible that we, all of us, 
can live forever, at least in the memories, hearts, and inspirations of those we leave behind. For it is within the cycle of creation, from thought, the word, to manifesting it into light, reality, and then sharing it with the world that we, all of us, can make a small dent, as Steve Jobs would say, not only on this planet, but also in the universe, multiverse, and all of creation. In the end, it's up to us, as individuals in the giant creating machine above, to start living our purpose, resting and exploring when needed, but always creating, whether it be a piece of art, book painting, photograph, movie, etc., a cure for cancer, or a robot with true AI, i.e. artificial intelligence, or something currently unfathomable. After all, if you don't create it, someone else will. And it may not be as good. So let's get going. And that's it. That is everything for today. Which is great. It's a good spot to end. So we can get now into of cycles and stages in... Uh, which is chapter one. Holy crap, and that's longer than yesterday's. So that's great. Okay, well, you know what? I'm not going to keep you guys any longer. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for um, basically just listening. Have I hope I hope uh, you've enjoyed these uh, reading out loud sessions. Hopefully you can see the improvement and whatnot. And that's about it. All right. Peace. Until next time.